0: Simidele from Nigeria, here representing her nation and doing them proud. It has been tough for her to get all the way down, it must be said, and we'll fly with her, born in Nigeria, via the US and Canada, now based in South Africa. No matter how big or small the change is, the world is waiting for you to create it. So why not you, and why not now? How will you choose to answer? Thank you.
1: Welcome to Flame Bears, the women athletes blazing the trail to Beijing. I'm your host, Jamie. In this episode, we speak with the original African slay queen, Simi Adiagbo, a voice we missed in Beijing who he wanted to amplify because she's breaking records and boundaries for her country of Nigeria, as well as her sport, monobob.
0: My name is Simidele Adeabo. So um, my friends call me Simi, Africa Slay Queen, original Slay Queen is an unofficial title that I have, but uh, I like that title because to me, it represents kind of my accomplishments in sport. So really forging a path for the sports of bobsleigh and skeleton on the continent of Africa. So being the first African and black woman to compete in skeleton at the Olympics, and then also recently being the first African athlete to win a gold medal at an international bobsled race. So all of that combined makes me Africa's original sleigh queen. So that is a title I wear very proudly, but I guess in traditional title form, I'm an Olympian, I'm an author, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, and yeah, those are the titles.
1: Simi, so given that there's no snow in Nigeria, how did you get your start?
0: It started more from uh, a place of purpose because I was really interested and drawn into this kind of bigger mission. Um, There were a group of female bobsledders from Nigeria who were already on a path to make history at the 2018 Games. They were trying to become the first um, African country To have a team at the olympics and bobsled it had never been done before
2: our first guests are three women making winter olympic history as the first athletes from africa to ever qualify for the bobsled competition please welcome the nigerian bobsled team
0: and so at the time i was happily retired previously came from a track and field background I did triple jump specifically and i had already kind of gone down the olympic path and tried out twice for the summer olympics didn't quite make it came close but 10 years had passed and i had been focused on my career and doing other things and so when i started hearing about this nigerian women's bobsled team and this quest to make history i was Intrigued, and that started me on a path that has led me till to today. And so, I went out to try out for the team. It turned out that it wasn't quite the right timing for me to be part of that bobsled team, and so instead, I was introduced to skeleton. And you know, skeleton is that daring, some might call terrifying sport where athletes are hurling themselves head first down an ice track at 80 miles an hour.
1: I wanted another take on this massive transition. So I sat down with someone who was her training partner at the time of this shift.
2: My name is April Holmes. I'm a four-time Paralympian and three-time medalist uh, in the Paralympic Games. But I know Simi because she came, she was actually one of my training partners. It had to be back in 2000, and maybe 2006 or seven or so, she came to the Olympic Training Center and trained in our group we were coached by Al Joyner at the time and that's literally how I know her but our our friendship has bloomed well beyond the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista instead it's become more like we're sister friends Um, I, I consider her a bonus sister. April so
1: you were track training sisters and then she's like just kidding I'm gonna be a bobsledder how did that happen?
2: I'll never forget the day she called me and was like, so I have something to talk to you about. And I'm like, what? And she's like, so I think I'm gonna go um, try out for the uh, the bobsled team, the, the, the Nigerian bobsled team. And I'm like, the who, the what? What do you even know about bobsled? Like, what does someone from Nigeria know about bobsled? Like, I felt like this was the second coming of the like the Jamaican bobsled team, but even worse. It was just, <laughs> you're in Nigeria, there's no snow. Like, where, what are you talking about? You wanna do it at bobsled? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And so I'm like, OK, I was like, so what does it take and what can I help you with? Like immediately out, snapped out of that, like, all right, you know, where's your thinking and how can I help? Those kind of things. And so she said to me, she's like, OK, so I'm going to um, try out. You know, I've been training. I'm, I'm not just going in and sit this blindly. You know, I've been training. I've been looking up workouts online, you know, those kind of things. And so, you know, I'm not going to sit blindly, but tryouts are in a month. I'm like a month. What?
1: As Simi shared, her first shot didn't work out.
0: So she pivoted. I I decided to go that path because for me, it went back to this bigger purpose that I thought my journey could drive, which was really about forging this path for the continent of Africa, expanding representation. And I thought I'll go for it. Nigeria.
2: Nigeria. Nigeria.
1: Three athletes for Nigeria competing in two sports. Their bobsled team will make history
0: as the first African sled to compete at the Winter Olympic Games. hundred days later, I find myself making Olympic history at the Games in 2018 in Skeleton. And then since then, I wanted to just kind of further develop myself as a sliding sport athlete. And uh, I made the shift to bobsled. In the last couple years, and bobsled specifically because there was a new discipline in bobsled that was introduced at the 2022 Games, which is the monobob. Okay. So that's a single person bobsled event. And so I wanted to be part of that historic debut and make sure that Africa was represented. And so I i was uh, trying to forge that new path. And so here I am, all these years later, still slaying. <laughs> She sure is. But
1: before we break down her career, let's get a little 101 on Monobob because not many of us are super familiar. It's a form of bobsay where one person drives the sled and becomes a boatman at the same time. So you get all aspects of the sport. You push
2: and you drive and you brake.
1: Simi's track and field background definitely helps her speed in the sport. But the background I was most curious about is the one she identifies with the
0: most. First and foremost, I'm Nigerian. Wherever I'm located, I will always be Nigerian. Nigerian culture was what was there, from the food, the language that was spoken, you know, all all of the things that make culture, culture. It's always been that. So that's the core of it. But of course, I was shaped by American culture, Canadian culture, I don't know what you call that, I, I, maybe a, a citizen of the world. So, I was born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And a few months after I was born, my parents moved back to Nigeria. So that's actually part of the origin of my name, which is Simidele, which means in my language, it means accompanying me home. And that's because I accompanied my parents home to Nigeria from Canada, from being in Canada and so I spent the first six years or so of my life in Nigeria and um, at the age of six we moved to Memphis Tennessee and spent some time there and then shortly a few years later moved to Canada and I spent some more time in Canada before we relocated to Louisville Kentucky and Louisville Kentucky is what I consider to be kind of like my American hometown because I grew up pretty much there from seventh grade onwards, and I went to middle school, high school, and then ultimately college in the state of Kentucky, at University of Kentucky. So I, I we moved around quite a bit, but in terms of how I identify, you know, whether we were in Louisville, or we were in Lagos, or we were in Canada somewhere, in our house, it was always Nigeria.
1: With that kind of background, she could have played for any team, which makes her choice to represent Nigeria that much more impactful.
0: I probably could still look into competing for Team USA or Canada. Those teams are huge teams, have a lot of history. There's pros and cons both ways, um, mm. because they have more resources and support versus kind of having to build this federation and this bobsled and skeleton movement in Nigeria from the ground up. So wow. that comes yeah. with its challenges. There's no, no built-in support or history or tradition, but I think knowing that I'm build, building something for the future long that will last long a long time after I'm off the ice. And that's why now I really like to make sure that I say I'm Africa's original slave queen because there will be slave queens after me. I hope if I've done my job well, I hope that there will be many slate Queens after me, but I will always remain the original. But I'm just grateful and blessed to to be part of the building of that for the future generations so that they, when they come into the sport, there will at least be somewhat of a blueprint (laughs) that exists there that didn't exist for me or my teammates. The future she's building is
1: one of representation Simi, why is this so important?
0: Representation is important because that's what the Olympics are about. That's the promise of the Olympics, right? The Olympics is about five continents uniting together for the greatest, most pinnacle moment in sport. That is what the Olympics has always been about. So it matters because that's a promise that us in the Olympic movement believe in. And so it's important that we hold ourselves accountable to that promise promise that's written within the uh, Olympic charter. And so I think there's lots of great examples we can point to when we look at the summer games where that promise is delivered upon. It's just making sure that the Winter Games is also part of that because mm-hmm. it is still part of the Olympics and it's it's part of the Olympic movement. And so that's why it matters. It's, it's what the Olympics stand for.
1: Thankfully, the Olympics have been becoming more diverse, not just racially, but also in terms of gender as well. Bobsleds specifically was actually a very predominantly Eurocentric male sport. But the good news is that according to Simi, it's changing, but maybe not fast enough.
0: I think the sport is becoming uh, more diverse in a lot of ways. Countries like Germany have been doing the sport since 100 years ago. Nigeria, for example, we just got started in 2018. So we are, uh, you know, 96 years behind. (laughs) You know, so as the sport grows, I think we'll be able to see it expand and it, it may not be so Eurocentric. I think a great example of that now is what we're seeing across Asia. We've had the last two Olympic Games, Winter Olympic Games in Asia, in uh, Pyeongchang in 2018, and then we just had Beijing. So Southeast Asia also being represented. So there's definitely some growth, but when you look at who is dominating the sport still, the medal stands, it's very Eurocentric. And also from a male side, the gender side, it's male dominated as well. Prior to this year at the Olympics, Women just had one bobsled event, just the two women, and men had two events, the two man and the four man. So now they've added monobob and there are two events for each, male and female. But when we look at the breakdown of what are the sled allocated spots that are available to men versus women, there's still a disparity. So uh, men have 58 total spots and women have 40 total spots. I'd like to see that become equal. Right now, it's not. So still very male dominated. April, why does diversity in
1: sport matter? And why is what Simi doing so important?
2: When you literally are the first person to come from from Nigeria to be this person, like you can't be the last. You can't say out of this entire country of people, I just want to be number one and only number one and like never and so I think everything we do is literally about how can we leave a legacy? How can we leave the world a better place? How can we teach what we've now learned to other people? My pastor used to say all the time. He's like, "Listen, God doesn't bless you just for you. He blesses you to be a blessing to other people." And Simi lives that every day. Like she is literally a blessing to people every single day. And so I was like, "Listen, I may have I may have traveled down this road. I may have not had to knock some trees down, some weeds down, some I may have had to, you know, clear a path." But I didn't just clear that path for me. Instead, I cleared it so that you would have an easier time, that you would have an easier journey, that you would even have more resources than I had in order to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish.
0: So where do we go from here? Well, I think the Olympics is kind of the moment where the sport is most visible. And I think starting there would be a great great place to start. So it's not 50-50, we need to get it there. To do that, that starts with um, changing the rules, the qualification rules, that there's equal amount of female spots available as well as male spots. This has been done in skeleton. When I was at the Olympic Games in 2018, there were only 20 spots allocated to women and there were 30 spots allocated to men. Fast forward to Beijing 2022, four years later, that has been adjusted. There were 25 spots for female skeleton racers and there were 25 spots for male skeleton racers. So they took the 50 spots that were available and equalized them. So I'd love to see something similar happen in a bobsled. That is an important place to start because that's where our sport is most visible at the Olympic Games as an athlete you put everything into working for that olympic dream your blood sweat tears finances everything and to know that you're working for that and you don't have an equal opportunity to achieve that that is not how i want future female bobsledders to be um, working You should know that as you're working hard every day, you have an equal opportunity to achieve your Olympic dream. And so I think that that's a great starting spot, uh, but also we should be looking at the world championships. Mm. What do those qualification systems look like? Taking it to every level that we can to make sure that there's equality on every level, even the boardrooms, so that the people who are making the decisions can have different perspectives as they're they're making those decisions.
1: I know you've previously said that you're really passionate about helping the next generation, specifically of young girls. Where does this passion come from? I've been an
0: athlete all my life, so I can attest to the power of sport and what it feels to be empowered as a young woman this is what makes me excited to pass that along to the next generation to really help young women and girls understand that there's nothing that they can't achieve. It excites me to think about the possibilities of of what uh, we are really capable of doing Um, and so I feel like it's my responsibility using my platform in the best way that I can and the skills and the tools and the knowledge that I've garnered You know, uh, over my years, not only Mm. as an Olympic athlete, but as somebody who is a business leader and has had experience in the corporate world to kind of take that knowledge and pass it on to the next generation. Because I really think that girls can do great things. And so I am just particularly passionate about how we can help them make it easier for them so that they don't have the same struggles that some of us had coming up and and the barriers that we're breaking we're breaking them for a reason so that it is easier for them and not more difficult
1: Simi would have loved to have seen someone like her early on in her career and she shares a moment she's most proud of in the face of all of the obstacles she's overcome
0: I think what stands out is my victory that just happened in January, being the first African athlete to win an international bobsled race. And that for me was a moment because, first of all, let's talk about where it happened. So it happened in Germany, Winterberg, Germany. And just to give some context to why that is so meaningful, first of all, Germany is a place that has some history that maybe is not so pretty. and. You know, when you think about the likes of Jesse Owens winning historic gold medals there in 1936 in Nazi Germany, and knowing that's the same space that I was able to break this barrier, is pretty powerful. And Germany specifically is very dominant in the sport of bobsled. They have such a rich tradition, such rich history. If you watched the Beijing Olympics, um, you saw that they were dominating the sliding sports. And a large part of that is because they have the facilities, they have the best equipment, they have the Mm. coaching, they have this tradition. We don't have that in Nigeria. (laughs) And to know that I was still able to go there and win this race, for me, was very symbolic. And it it showed what is possible. So that was really the culmination of just a, a tremendous season. And it put the exclamation mark like, yes! We did this and my coach told me right before my last run I was on the blocks about to take off uh, and he was like seize the moment you got this seize the moment it's yours and I just remember oh, hearing those words <laughs> yes and like I don't even remember really I just felt so instinctual almost like animalistic and I just took off and next thing I know, I was crossing the finish line and it was enough to win. What an incredible moment. But for Simi,
1: this sweet win soon became bittersweet. I'll let her explain.
0: Yeah, I think this year has been bittersweet in a sense that the goal, especially of this season, was for it to culminate in an Olympic berth to, to end with the games, you know, and so everything that I had been working towards for the last four years and for this season was all for that. And it was really kind of hard to grapple with the fact that I had done everything that I needed to do to prepare myself for that end goal, but still somehow just end up falling just one spot short. I had that great moment that I just shared in Winterberg, Germany, winning the race, but literally immediately after I won the race, my mind went to, is it enough? I didn't know if it would be enough because in my sport, it works on a point system and you accumulate points throughout the season. And basically those points add up to your world ranking. And based on that, then the Olympic selection is made because I won the race. I had, I was called in for doping control and literally in doping control as I'm trying to drink all this water so that they can get the sample. I'm looking online and trying to see where where am I in the rankings. So the journey was sweet, but knowing that I didn't quite reach where I hoped I would get was disappointing. But you know that's sport. Sometimes you don't always reach the goals that you have fully.
1: Despite this upset, Simi doesn't have time to mope. She's literally too busy changing the world. She's also working on the Athletes for Good initiative.
0: That is something that I'm working with Procter & Gamble on, and I'm really excited about that because I think what it does is really recognize and acknowledge the fact that athletes do a lot to make an impact beyond the field of play. And so a lot of times, um, you know, brands focus on what we do on the field of play, which is great. I think there's a lot we have to offer there. But what the Athletes for Good grant does is really take a look at what are athletes doing off the field of play? What are the causes that they care about, the charities that maybe they're involved in, the social impact work that they're doing? And um, so I'm part of that. And each athlete that is a recipient of this grant as part of this program basically gets to partner with a, a cause or a charity and PNG donates funds to that charity so that the impact of that work can continue. The charity that I'm working with is called Leads Minds Africa, which is a charity that basically empowers youth on the continent of Africa. And so through this program, the work that they're doing and currently doing is going to only continue and be able to increase and expand um, the reach of the youth that they can help.
1: Simi, you also have your book launch. Tell us about this. Massive congratulations. Congratulations.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So Slay, Slay, Slay All Day, that is the title of my book. And I'm super excited about this because it's another way to really empower and inspire the next generation of girls. And so it is a, a children's picture book and it has a character that is a young girl, young black girl of Nigerian descent, who is really excited because she wants to slay. And um, basically, through the story, she learns that she has to overcome different obstacles along the way, including her own fears. And through her journey trying to slay on an icy hill, she discovers that true victory actually comes from looking within. And it's when she can find that, that confidence, that courage, when she can be brave, that's when true victory actually comes her way. And so I'm so excited because I think this is a message that young girls everywhere need to hear. Young readers um, need to hear. And I hope that it helps them know, really, the power of their own potential that they have within them.
1: Where can listeners buy your book if we want to buy it? Because I'm definitely going to check it out.
0: So you can buy it every major retailer where books are sold. So uh, Amazon is worldwide and pretty much one of the main places people now go for books. But um, if you're in the United States, it's available also at Barnes and Noble and Walmart. So yeah, look for it. Pretty much every major place books are sold, and I'm super excited to just share it with the world. Before we wrap up, what is
1: the one action? you want our listeners around the world to do after listening to your episode
0: the one thing i want listeners to do uh is buy my book and i i'm saying this kind of with hesitation because i feel like i should say something more deeper but at the same time i want listeners to know that there's depth in that because when you buy my book for me what that means is that you support a diverse voice Um, Getting uh, to this point where I have this book has not been an easy road. It's been a long, windy road. And part of that is the challenge around representation also in publishing. And so when you buy my book, know that not only are you getting a very awesome message that will empower young readers, but know that with that, you're also adding to to helping elevate and raise a diverse voice and knowing that all stories matter. I think it's really important to support the work people like myself um, who are bringing different perspectives into publishing. So yeah, please go buy my book.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Flame Bears, the women athletes blazing the trail to Beijing. This episode marks the end of two incredible seasons of Olympic and Paralympic stories. From Tokyo to Beijing, it's been an honor and a privilege to raise the voices of women who are breaking records, stereotypes, and boundaries for their countries all over the world. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a positive review. If this show has inspired you Educated you or motivated you, share it with a friend. Check out both seasons of Flame Bearers wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for season three coming this summer, spotlighting athletes when the cameras and fans go home. What happens between games?